What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode five of uh, the M21 season of Freshly Brewed. I'm Frank Lepore, and I'm here with Rob Castillo. That's right. That's who you are. And uh, today we're going to do a little something different. Today we have a list that Rob came up with uh, that we're going to do for all the new sets moving forward for an episode. And uh, it's a list of five cards from the new set, so M21. And uh, we pick, we each pick five of the cards on the list. We don't share them with each other until the actual cast. And uh, the first card is the OP mistake, uh, you know, maybe mistake that, that they made. The organized play, uh, a mistake card that was in the set. Second is any pet card that we may have. Third is a card that we expected more from. Fourth is a card that we think will shine soon that hasn't yet. And five is the next card that we want to play or like brew with. All right. I'm ready to go, man. I'm excited. I've been putting this list together. Yeah. Rob suggested this to me last week and um, I thought it was a great idea. And uh, so we both put lists together, but we haven't actually discussed the lists with each other. So uh, let's do it, man. You want to go first? You want to go first or should I go first? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll go ahead and go first. So we're starting with uh, with our OP card. I am anxious to see how many of our cards sync up. I don't think many, uh, but I definitely think we might get one or two. I am curious to see what they might be. All right, so ready. My number one card for most OP, uh, and I feel like it might have been a mistake, mm-hmm. is Eugene. Mine is also Eugene <laughs> the Spirit Dragon. That's hilarious. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you completely. Yeah, I, I put it on the list. Um, I've played a good, decent amount of standard. Um, it's the only card. Uh, and let me clarify, too. I'm speaking in the context of standard here uh, for this card itself. I couldn't come up with really anything that I f- for, for, el- for older formats. But I've played against this card so many times. And when I realize I'm playing a, playing against this card, you know, a deck that's ramping into it, I'm like, uh, okay, I have to kill them before they ramp to eight. And the the problem is that, like, it's not hard for them to ramp to eight. Like, usually you're going to play Nissa on turn four, and then you're playing Ugin as early as turn five. Yeah. It's, uh... Right? Like, you just, I mean, you, if you play Euro or or Grow Spiral, then you have five mana on turn four, or, you know, any, any other things, Arboreal Grazer, whatever you want to call it. Um... Then on turn five, you can untap your five forests, add ten, and then just play Ugin. And that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I uh, I hated playing against it so much because I told you I was, pay- I was playing that, that Paul Blade deck with the Winota and, and all the pups. And I love it. But there were yeah. so many times where I just felt like Ugin was destroying me and it wasn't fair. So I, I, joined, the, I joined the movement. And I- oh my god, did you call it Paw Blade? Yeah, that was yeah. That's like the coined name on Twitter right now is Paul Blade. That's a really that's a great name. It, it really is. It really is a great name. Great deck too. It's a lot of fun. Um. Yeah. But so like basically like I just um. I I feel like you know because even if you deal with the Ugin like they still have a Nissan board so it's just one extra thing that the the deck is gonna have in it that like you actually have to deal with within like one or two turns like you don't really get that much time with the Ugin and and. It kills all of your permanence. So, like, <laughs> what do you... I mean, like, literally, if you're playing that Winota deck, which I also think is, is very, very good, like, all they do is, like, negative for it, and you don't have a board. And they yeah. still have Ugin and Nissa. Yeah, I and think... It, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say it doesn't. And, and the thing about Ugin is it doesn't even kill the forests that make that become three threes with Nyssa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they're, colorless. they're colorless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. U- U- Ugin has Ugin has soured my taste enough that I decided to start playing it. Um, obviously, there's Simic colored decks that are ramping into it, like you said, with our own Grow Spiral and Nissas. Um, you know me, and I know you. We don't like to play those decks, uh, so I I, I I tried a red green version. Uh, that was because you know how much I love Chandra and that mm-hmm. Chandra is phenomenal. And I just, I wanted to do something different. And there were so many games I played on the ladder where I, I have no cards left in hand. They have a lethal board and I'm like, all right, just got to rip one of my four Ugins here. And then, you know, survey says, and then I just slam an Ugin and then they concede. They just, it, that's how bad it is. Well, yeah, because it's like a one, it's like a board wipe, but you still get to keep a, an eight mana planeswalker. Yeah, definitely OP. You know, and like, and how many decks are playing the full force, the full set of four eight mana cards? Like, most decks I've seen are running four Ugans, right? And that's a lot. It's, yeah, it's just, it's easy to get there. And like you kind of touched on before, too, it, there's so many different cards that ramp into it. But at the same time, like in the old days, you would play, like, Cultivate is kind of like a ramp card that's traditional because it's not doing anything else. It's, it's rampant growthing you. And yeah, it's nice. It gives you an extra land, right? But if you're playing Grow Spiral, you're drawing another card. If you're playing Uro, Uro can come back. Nissa stays on the battlefield. Like, right. It, and this is just doubles your mana. It's not even even like it's not like hey well, sorry, i played for five mana i played one more ramping like i played uh one of the circuitous route or whatever the card was called back in the day like two two lands to the battlefield right like that's great and all but it still only ramps you from four to six and then you untap and go to seven right so you'd still need one more turn to like really go off but like this is like all right i'm gonna double all your mana so you go from five to ten yeah that's pretty ridiculous or like, I mean, you have to have five for Nissa, so then you go to six, you go from five to twelve, I guess. So it's like, okay, that's pretty good. And then like, it, not only that, but like in the previous world, like if you play Cultivate, you don't also have a second Planeswalker on board when you play Ugin. So if you deal with the Ugin, you're like, oh good, my opponent doesn't have much else because they spent most of their time ramping to Ugin. But now when they ramp to Ugin and you kill the Ugin, they still have Nissa and they still have Uro in the graveyard. And it's like, they have still the, the three threes that Nissa made, like it never ends. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you 100%, man. It's that's the struggle. That's the struggle of uh of standard. Right. Like usually, you know, to get to your payoff cards like Ulamog or Ugin, you had to play like all these cards that weren't very good. You know, like Woodworker's Puzzle Knot would be in the deck because it's like, oh, I need the 3 energy to activate my Aetherworks Marvel. And these cards don't do much, but like you're playing them just to get to that payoff card, which is, you know, Ulamog in your deck or Ugin in your deck, whatever. But now it's like there's no cost to playing these these cards that ramp you, like Nissa or Euro or Growth Spiral. Like they're just basically so, free cards you can cram in your deck that also act as incredible threats. Some of the best threats in standard. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say it's just your deck is filled with more power. Like it's yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Like there was that one card from Amonkhet that was like uh, like hour of hour of promise was that the one like the the rare one that was like put yes. two lands into play if you control three deserts make two twos. I love um, that card. Yeah, that card was great, but even that kind of like pales in comparison to all these other cards because that like that card was five mana, and so is Nissa. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I think Nissa is just a little bit better. Yeah, plus a six, leave behind a three three, and and I got more than two extra manas. Right, and like the zombies, I believe came into play tapped, 
from that card. So, like, they don't even have blockers. Whereas, like, Nissa, it's like, make a 3-3, attack immediately, still have a 3-3 because it has vigilance. I can tap it for mana. Like, it does 10 different things. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yep. So, Eugene, unanimous, call it whatever you want. It's uniquely overpowered in standard. I agree. I think it was a weird choice to include in standard. I don't I don't know like what the reasoning was. Like, hey, standard really could use uh an Ugin right now. And uh <laughs> You know you know what? To touch on that real quick before we move on to somebody somebody I can't remember who it was, but I read on Twitter, uh, and this was actually after Ugin was spoiled and people were like, Oh my god, you know, everybody was already down. Like, I could see what's happening. They said it actually probably would have been better to see them reprint Karn, seven mana Karn, instead of Ugin. I think Karn does less. Right. And I think like when when you're when you're play the turn before Karn or Ugin is Nissa, it doesn't matter which one it is, right? Like they're gonna have seven mana, they're gonna have eight mana the next turn anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right? Like so so the mana cost is is marginal. But like I think Karn just deals with one permanent and he has to negative three to do it. Whereas Ugin can deal with the entire opponent's board. Or just plus to like nine or you know, whatever ridiculous amount that that, that dude goes up to after one after one activation yeah i think it actually i think i think karn might have been the right choice and actually would have been kind of interesting because i don't think karn does enough <laughs> as funny as that sounds i don't think no, it does enough in standard right now like i would play it you would probably find a way to play it because nobody else would you know i think it's good i think karn would still be good but i think it'd be it's it's that nice middle spot between ugin and nothing else yeah yeah i'm with you there that would have been sweet I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. I I just look through the lists and I'm like, oh, Forugan, Forugan. Oh, you got Forugan. Okay, cool. You know, and it's just like, well, all right. Anyway, enough about Ugin. Let's hit the number two. You ready? Man, I feel I feel like you and I are gonna pick the same card again. The number two is what your pet card is, Rob. What is your pet card for M21? So right now, um, I'm on the Sublime Epiphany. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Mine, I have Sublime Epiphany slash Elder Gargaroth. I said Elder Gargaroth was an honorable mention because you know I've been talking about it and, like, you know, really excited about it. I think it's just a cool card. It has a bunch of abilities. And, um, you know, I just I just think it's a, a fun a fun card. How sweet would Elder Gargaroth have been in, uh, in like, con standard? I think it would be great in con standard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I would also like to go turn five Elder Gargaroth, turn six Sublime Epiphany, copy my Elder Gargaroth, and make two of them. I'm doing that now. I'm doing that for you. I believe in you. I want to. I want you to record it, and I want to see it happen. Uh, dude, it's gonna happen, and I'm gonna send photos and chat. It's absolutely gonna happen now because I've been I've been wanting to build obviously pet card right. I'm like, what cards are really good with Sublime Epiphany? If I'm only really using it to copy, like, what's the best thing I can get that's non legendary? And I've been like, well, I like the the Elvish Visionary Lanowar Elf dude, but like. I've been stuck, you know. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, well, you don't even if you don't, even if you don't get the copy mode, like the card is still amazing, right? Like, it's still you're countering a spell, you're countering an activated ability, you're returning a non-land permanent, you're drawing a card. Like, it does literally everything you want a card to do. Dude, the other day, I I I freaking countered a I countered a hydroid crisis in the ability. It felt so good. Oh, that does seem good. Hydroid crisis on the stack. You counter both. Yes. Cards and you draw a card. Yeah, and I put something. And you back. can like bounce yeah. one of their lands in play. It's non-land permanent, I believe. But yeah, I did not. Uh, I bounced a permanent too, dude. It was so nice. I ended up losing that game though. <laughs> See, that's disappointing, and that I would not have expected. Yeah, 
that was an ending to that story that I, that was not predicted. Yeah, I know. It got it got uh, it gets sad, sad real quick. It did. It, it really went downhill. You were like, "Oh my god, it felt so good." I countered this Hydroid Crassus and the activated ability. I lost that game. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh wow, what a twist!" One, two, three. What's he got? Five abilities on it. That's pretty good. I mean, Cryptic Command has four abilities and it costs four. Mystic Confluence has three abilities and it costs five. This has five abilities and it costs six. So it's really kind of interesting how they distribute these. I mean, also with like with like blue cards, Mystic Confluence and Cryptic Command are both two of my favorite blue cards in Magic. So it just stands to reason that Sublime Epiphany would also be one of my favorite Magic cards, one of my favorite blue cards from this set. You know? Yeah, that that makes I I, I that's why when I started reading it when we were gonna pick it, I'm like, you know what? I think we're gonna get both of these right to start. Makes that's pretty sense. hilarious that that number one and number two are both the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I've just been trying to, to build decks. Honestly, my first thought was, oh, I want to find, you know, there's the, the loop that people do where you have the creature that when you make a copy of it, it returns it to your hand. What is it? What card? Uh, there's a there's a five mana three three uh, that when it uh, enters the battlefield, you return a instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand so you can loop it. What dude is that? Is that just like an uncommon dude? It's it's yeah, I think it's an uncommon. I think it's called ship shipwreck dowser or shipwreck looter. I'm a, a, oh sh- oh, but it's got ship in the title. All right, yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah, and it's from M21. Yeah, correct. It's again while you're looking it up, I'm I'm pretty certain it's uh, three blue blue three three prowess when it enters the battlefield. Oh yes 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 shipwreck dowser three blue blue right three three prowess uh, return it's in a sorcery from your yeah okay cool it's yeah it's the card we we compared to like. Is it Cronarch and and Oraman Oramancer, I believe? Not Oramancer. Uh the the one like the one two for four that returns an instant or sorcery to your grave. Oh, Archeomancer. Archeomancer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah so, so like, what about I was gonna say the pe- people have been doing that, but I feel like it, it's just a bad card. So for the time being, I've just been building good decks that get to six mana and I just try and abuse the card, you know? You know, I think that's a really I think that's a really healthy thing to do. <laughs> also it'd be nice if you play uh you can play expansion explosion and then when you get to eight mana you can just play two sublime epiphanies so that sounds great too ew <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know it's funny at that point you're getting a little greedy because you probably don't have more targets you're probably just being able to cast like the, the bottom three abilities but still having the option is nice yep i hear you all right so that's kind of funny also, Gargaroth is just a sweet creature. I know it's not, like, questing beast level. It doesn't have haste. It costs one more mana. Like, But, I mean, still, like, both of these cards, Sublime Epiphany and Elder Gargaroth, have, like, multiple bullet points on them. They have five different... One has five modal choices. The other has three modal choices. So, I think I think the lesson here is that I really just like cards that let me have choices in the game. I was going to so, say, you're you're an option man. That's what that's Yeah, I like the are. versatility of these cards, right? Like, in different situations, I can do different things. So... Yeah, yeah, and let me add real quick too before we move to number three. Just a quick touch: if I had to pick a second card when I was trying to choose, it was a close second. But uh, I, I would have picked discontinuity, and I think it's wrong to play this card where I'm trying to take extra turns. And it's absolutely right to play it as a two mana or a six mana counter spell. It's so good. I agree with that. It is a hard counter in those situations if you cast it on your turn. Yeah. The only problem is that. Like if you're casting a spell and they counter it, you can't count. You can't use it to counter their spell, or else you know you lose your spell as well. Right. Yeah. I was thinking more so like uh, I've been using it to, 
you know, uh, they have creatures on the battlefield and then go to their turn. And then, you know, a lot of people will, will think, oh, I'm going to upkeep it so I can just time walk them. Well, you can literally allow them to play a spell in their first main phase and then, and then cast it to counter the spell, stop them from attacking and take a turn. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's even better that way. Oh, so you're kind of like, you're kind of using it as a, as a time walk, but also a counter spell in one. Exactly. Which is, yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of like what time stop did, right? Yeah, yeah. But you get the versatility of having like the two mana card. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. The third card on our list is the card we expected more from. A card that like we thought was going to be really sweet, and uh, has not really impressed us. I guess. So. Uh, you go with this one. You go first with this one. Well, Rob, I think the card that's on both of our lists. No way. No way. Is is Basriket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll be honest that's not my card but oh, i want to he- hear your reasoning that's hilarious <laughs> i mean okay so oh man you had me think it was you had me think it was your card dang it that's so disappointing no the reason i picked it was because it was one of the cards that we talked about a bunch in our in our uh in our pod in our review mm-hmm. and you kind of you actually kind of sold me on it almost and for a three mana planeswalker like the ability to like you know put a counter on a guy and then, you know, the the other ability to make a bunch of tokens, like, it just has a, just a very strong Planeswalker. Like, if you go turn one guy, turn two guy, turn three Basri, like, you make two extra creatures, you can start putting counters on your guys, and even the ultimate's very, very good. It's very, very Liliana of the Last, Liliana of the Last Hope, you know-esque. So, I don't know. I thought, I thought we'd see some sort of mono-white offerings in standard but again like maybe there's no mono white decks that play one drop two drop three drop because they just go ugin on turn five and kill everything you own you hit who knows you hit the nail on the head i i played this card obviously right when when standard first started and i thought the card was it's a great card but there's you cannot defend from what other people are doing is the problem that's the problem yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, like, I don't know. You compare, like, Basriket at 3 mana to Uro at, like, 3 slash 4 mana, and you're just like, well, that's a 6-6. Six, six. That's going to gain you 3 life every attack. That's going to draw you a card every attack. Like, uh, you know, I mean... Again, Uro is a card that has versatility. It's great in the early game. It's great in the late game. It's, it's great in the late game. Like, it, it's never a dead card. Whereas, like, Basriket, if you don't have any creatures on board, he's not doing anything. It- <laughs> Yeah, it's it's womp womp. Uh, one thing it's I real, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's a real it's a real top deck downer if you just have nothing on board. Like, whereas Uro is never dead; it's always gonna draw you a card. It's always gonna be good in the graveyard. Like, so. Yeah, what I was gonna add is, um, I think the card, like we touched on in the uh, in the review, I think we described the card perfectly. I think it is a normal three mana planeswalker that is good. It's just outclassed right now. I think it's a good card. Um, uh, it does perfect effects for three mana. It, it's just outclassed. And you know, the funny thing I'm thinking about it right now is that like, if you go turn one guy, turn two guy, Basri Ket, and I go turn four questing beast or even turn three questing beast, like your, your Basri Ket's dead. Yep. Like none of the creatures you played are going to be able to block questing beast. And I'm just going to attack your face and also kill Basri Ket. Like it's just dead. Like, it's so funny that they make all these great cards like Basriket or, you know, Elder Gargroth, whatever. And, like, they're just all in, kind of invalidated by these stupid green cards from, like, the past three sets. <laughs> Whether it's Nissa Who Shakes the World or Oko or Uro or Questing Beast. Like, they're all just so ridiculously good that they outclass everything trying to compete with them. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I, I uh, 
I definitely think it's an expected more from the card, but I definitely think the card design was good. It's just outclassed. Yeah, I don't think it's, like, that's the thing. I don't think it's a bad card. And I think in any normal standard format that has a, like, a low-to-the-ground aggressive deck that doesn't just get trounced by, like, the green deck has a, a card that that these creatures can't block. It has a card that gains you three life every time you cast it or attack. It has a card that makes three threes to block. It has a card that wipes your whole board. Like, it, the, the green deck, ironically, has, like, every perfect spoil to, like, the, the low-to-the-ground aggressive deck. And, but, like, in any other format, like, if there was a Kithkin deck, like, back when, you know, back in, like, Lorwyn Block Standard, the Kithkin decks, like, this card would be perfect in that deck. Right. You know? But there's just not a... that This isn't the environment for a low-to-the-ground aggro deck because it's, like, a, an overpowered mid-range format right now. Yep. Yep, I hear you. And, like, I don't even know if Control is that good because, like, every single card has to be countered. No, Control yeah. control is, is... It's definitely takes a great pilot to play control right now that's the only reason you see some people um winning tournaments or, or doing you know top eighting or top 16 it's because yeah. it's because you're a fantastic pilot and you know the ins and outs of every matchup yeah ready well, for mine is, rob, rob what is your card ready for it uh, i think so it's colorless see if you can guess it starts with an s Stone Coil Serpent. <laughs> it's uh, no, I, I I like your choice. This is good. Oh, you do. Oh yeah. All right. It's uh, it's Spark Hunter Masticore. Oh, that is not what I thought you were gonna say. Oh, dang! I thought you were gonna say Solemn Simulacrum, because I actually haven't seen many Solemn Simulacrums going around. Oh, dude, Solemn is so good right now. Really? Is it good right now? I mean, it's it it. All right, it's not in a lot of decks, but it does show up, and I don't think it's because it's a bad card. There's just better oper- better uh, better cards. Um, so Spark Hunter Masticore, interesting, interesting. Tell, I, tell me about Spark Hunter Masticore, Rob. I feel like right now it should be it should be a perfect card. Everyone has Teferis. Everyone has Nissus. Correct. Everyone has Ugins that can't minus and, and kill it or exile it. Like there, there are so many reasons that this card should be good. And yes, you have to discard a card, but we know that there are ways to work around that to actually, you know, maybe could be an advantage for you. But the card is so weak at three mana. It's crazy. <sighs> yeah, that's interesting. I think we both had high hopes for this card when we reviewed it, too. Because I'm like, oh, wow, they're going to negative one Teferi. You can just come play this guy comes down. It shoots it immediately. It's got good stats. But, like, it's really mana intensive, isn't it? Like, it takes a lot of mana to actually, like, shoot down any sort of relevant Planeswalker, right? Like, if they have a Nissa. You play this, you discard a card, then you have to spend another six mana in addition to the casting cost to, like, kill a Nyssa. Yeah, because you when, definitely like, can't attack into it. <laughs> right, and, like, Murderous Rider just does that, you know? Like, Murderous Rider just kills it, you know? So it's it's a situation, like, where... And if you kill one Planeswalker with this, it's kind of almost like... It's almost like a two-for-one because you're only getting, you know, what you're getting a creature out of it that you don't really care about on the board. Yep. It has to kill two planeswalkers in order to be better than like just a straight up removal card, like Eat to Extinction or you know Murderous Rider. Even Murderous Rider, you're still getting a removal spell and a and a good a solid body, a two three for for three with lifelink. So like this, that's what this card's competing with, and it's not even making you discard a card to do it. There, when there's so many cards in front of your face, it's so easy to like evaluate him properly and now that we're t- now that you know now that we we talk about it we've known like it just seems so bad it's real bad i mean three four is nice and pro pro planeswalkers is great but it's not like 
three mana to give it indestructible is a lot. Like that's that's not cheap. Like, and also like if you're just gonna play this guy for three mana, like what's your opponent doing? Like playing an Oko or not or, or an Uro rather? Yeah. Sorry, wrong wrong busted three three letter <laughs> uh, mythic blue green card. Yeah. I get uh, them confused. It, it happens. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Yeah, they just they saw they sort of all blend together for me. Yeah. Listen, Spark Hunter Masticore, straight straight into the dollar uh dollar bin. I mean this card's never killing an Ugin, right? This card's never killing anyone. No one's playing this card. <laughs> it's so funny that all Masticars Masticores are like, discard a card. It's like what why? Even if they wrote a even if they wrote a story like they used to, I don't know if they still do. I don't think they do. They just write the lore. I don't think it actually ever killed a planeswalker in the lore either. <laughs> God, that's messed up, man. Even in its even in its best moments, it can't kill a planeswalker. Even in its fictional background origin story, it can't kill a planeswalker. By the time Basri Ket flipped the switch and fired it up, it was all rusted and it couldn't move. Is that what happened? Do you think this is a? <laughs> Why would a planeswalker? Fire up a, a a Spark Hunter Masticore. That seems like a bad idea. It's its pet. Is that true? Is that a lore thing? No, I I know nothing about lore. I was just saying it's all rusty and sucks. Oh, you made this up. This is all fake. This was fake. That's messed up, man. I was really excited. I was like, wow, Rob's coming at me with the lore. No, I would never do that. I can't. I, I can't. I don't believe in reading. <laughs> I've never read anything before, so I couldn't I couldn't tell you. Uh, yeah. All Man, right. that's surprising. Have you played this card? You played this card personally, though. I have tried because I was playing ramp decks uh, with Karn with four mana Karn and put it in my sideboard, thinking, "Oh, you know, there are probably times where I want to." Nope, never wanted it ever. That's wild, huh? All right, well, let's let's keep let's keep rolling then. Number right. four <clears throat> is a card that we think will shine soon. A card that has not really. Uh, really broken out yet but a card that we think has potential and just hasn't really been discovered yet all right am i gonna go yeah you go all right i picked uh radha heart of the keld oh interesting interesting we know history says the ability is fantastic three mana is a good sweet spot it's got the extra point of uh of attacking uh the the three power i i think that I think there will be definitely in rotation when rotation happens. I think there will be some sort of mid range Jun deck. And this card is just, it works. Playing lands from the top of your library historically has always been insane, especially for green decks uh, that really want to take card advantage wherever they can get it. I mean, like we said in our survey, like this is just a combination of like Corsair of Crucifix or uh, Oracle of Moldiah, but also like, in the late game, she can just pump herself, like, plus six, plus six. Mm-hmm. She has first strike. So, I mean, she does a lot. I mean, I wish she was a three, four. But, you know, I, I think she's still very good, obviously. And, and you obviously agree. Yeah, I like the card a lot. I have tried it. I, I think uh, I think Jun could do something. I think think Jun has tools to do that. I've seen some people try and build some Jun mid-range decks, and they've done okay. You know, they're they're outclassed obviously by the by the card advantage from other decks, but it's a solid deck. It's it's not terrible. It's not amazing, but I think it it's close. She's also an elf and a warrior, which are two relevant creature types. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I think she's good. I mean, typically this card, cards like this were were cards that would like make mana, right? Like if you attack with this, you know, add a red in your second main phase or whatever, your post-combat main phase. 
Um, but this one just letting you play lands from the top of your library is, is very, very good. Yep. Plus, you don't have to reveal it. So, like, if it's not a land, then, like, they just don't, they don't get to see it, you know? Like, so you just get to look at it and be like, oh, it's a land, I'm going to play it. Whereas, like, Corsair reveals it, you know? Oracle reveals it. Yeah, it's it, the fact that you can keep it hidden is nice, for sure. Yeah, it's nice that they don't just get that information all of a sudden. So. Yep. yep. All right, what do you got? Mine is Chandra's Incinerator. Hmm. And I'm actually surprised this card hasn't seen more play. I was expecting this card to just absolutely dominate in, like, the, the red burn decks in Modern. There are so many one-mana burn spells that deal three that, like... I guess the problem is you have to have a Rift Bolt on one if you want to play this on two. So you Rift Bolt on one, turn two, you Lava Spike, and then you cast this for one red, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's still a 6-6 six, six with Trample. It can't be Dismembered. It can't be... Uh, you know, it can't be fatal pushed. It can't be lightning bolted. Like the only thing you can really do to this thing is path. It can't be abrupt decayed. So like Assassin's Trophy and Path to Exile are your two removal options for this card. And it has trample. But like you know, even if you play on turn three, you go lightning bolt, lava spike, this. Like it's still a six six. So it's just I mean, like so many every every card in your deck deals three damage. So short of having lands in your hand, if you have any two cards in this, you're likely gonna be able to cast this for one mana. So yep. I'm actually kind of surprised that this isn't seeing like playing like the the red burn decks in in modern. Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like I keep I'm thinking, did I read it wrong? Actually, <laughs> total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponent. Yeah, I mean it's just it's you just make it cost one red. Yeah, and then and it's it, a six six trample for one red. Yeah, and, and it still has more abilities attached to it too. But you're you're exactly right. I haven't paid attention to uh, modern results lately. Uh, there was definitely a lot of talk about this card fitting right in. Uh, like you said, I mean, you, you described it to a T perfectly, right? And so it should be easy to get it into play if it's in your opener. Um, I tried to search to make this work in standard. There's nothing anywhere close to reducing it that you're not like tripping yourself up to try and play. Right. Anyways. Because yeah, your one mana options in standard are just not there, you know? Yeah. Yep. Are you, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I like the card, okay. though. I like the card, yeah, though, but, I mean, but it like, just doesn't work. It reminds... Well, it's standard, right? Yes. Right, so, like, my, my was primarily thinking, like, modern, obviously. And, like, and the thing is, like, it reminds me of Death Shadow a lot. You're paying one mana for, like, 6-6, six, six, right? Instead of, yep. like... Instead of dealing damage to yourself, though, you just have to deal that damage to the opponent. So, I don't know, <laughs> it just seems really obvious that this... It just seems like a really obvious card to me. When you describe like, it like that, it sounds better than Death Shadow. Right, because it's like it's dependent on the damage you deal to your opponent, not to yourself, which is what I want to do anyway. And, like, it has Trample. Death Shadow does not, right? Yeah. No, it does not. So, I mean, obviously Death Shadow's still good. Let's not let's not kid ourselves and, and, and think I'm trying to compare the two cards. But it's a 6-6 six, six in Modern. It dodges most of the most common removal. So... I mean, really, I it dodges, dodges all of it but Path, right? Well, Path and, like, Assassin's Trophy. But even then, you're getting a land. So, like, it's still a one-for-one. Yeah. Yep. I guess path you're gonna land too. So you know, the only the only removal that they have is like the two for ones. They two for one themselves to get rid of your Chandra's incinerator. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. This card seems good. I'm wondering uh, if people just haven't caught on, or if they're just like, eh, I don't really want to brew. I'll just play a normal burn because I I feel like I could just put this in a burn deck, and it's just a. The only problem is it's it's a not a great top deck, but like. Even if I have, so if I have four mana, right, I can still go lightning bolt, play a six, six, right? So even if you only have like one burn spell, 
you can still cast this with four total mana and that burn spell. So it's not it's like it's nor- like... Right. Like, I mean, like, and if you draw this in the late game, like, you just hold it until you draw, like, one burn spell if you don't have six mana. Yeah. And then, like, play it for, for four total. Three three for this and then one for the burn spell. And realistically, late game, if you draw this, um, it's it's not going to be any worse, really, than if you're just not drawing your three mana burn spell. Because at the end of the day, if if you're wanting to put this out and, and you're casting it based on a one mana three point burn spell, if that's not winning you the game, the burn spell anyways, then the six six is irrelevant. And it's not like the deck doesn't play creatures. Like, they already play, like, you know, Goblin Guide or Eidolon of the Great Revel. So it's not like they're like, well, if I don't play any creatures at all, I can dodge all the removal. Because that's obviously not their goal, because they do play creatures, right? So it's not like you're suddenly turning on the removal by playing this. And, like, I don't know, if I was if I was playing against Burn and I knew they had one card in their hand and it was a 6-6 six, six Trample instead of one, you know, Lava Spike, I, I think this is a scarier card for sure. Yeah, there's very slim window where I'd be more worried about a three mana burn spell than a six six trampler that I probably can't deal with, and that's going to be only if I, uh, if I have three points of life or less. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So all right, we have uh, Shonda's Incinerator and Spark. No, not uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Radha. Yes, uh, Radha Heart of Keld. Correct. Yep. All right. So the last card that we chose. Is the next card you want to play or brew with? Oh man, this one, this one, I, oh, this one has my heart right now. Oh, you sound really, you sound really like. I'm attached. I'm attached. Yeah. I'm attached because this card is so good, dude. It's so good. Really? Yeah. It so is. one of the things I was like, this is this was kind of a hard distinction for me to make between this card and the pet card. You know? Sure, that makes sense. Pet card could have been something that I mean, I took pet card as. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm already I've already used it I'm using it you know what I mean and I, and this one I was I haven't really done too much with well and like for me Mystic Snake is kind of a pet card of mine but it's not a card like I'm I'm trying to brew around you know what I mean oh okay that's interesting that we looked at that differently well I think it's the same kind of distinction though right sure kind of yeah oh wow <laughs> all right you ready for mine yeah go for it um. I- I'm gonna feel bad because I don't remember her for her full name, but it, it's the five mana Chandra. Wow. All right, I wanna... <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, I don't remember her full name. I don't. I don't what need to know it. All I know is Sean... I know what she does. Chandra Heart of Fire is her full name. Yeah, she's fantastic. Five mana, uh, three red red. Um, her plus to basically draw see four cards in a turn is so ridiculous so good don't forget you can still play lands yes it's so good man and and yeah. she i think she pluses to <clears throat> six so it's not like she has low loyalty yeah, like she's she a four going to five um she's, she's a five going to six yeah she's she's so good and obviously you know shock there's there's nothing wrong with a shock um i'm talking in context of standard right now i've tried to play her like i told you that red green ugin deck i played her as like a two of and i just wanted more because it's so good yeah um it's it's funny to me that you have two cards with heart of in their name you have heart of fire and heart of keld yeah on your list i'm gonna be honest the reason i didn't remember her her full name is because i thought i was confusing the with heart of keld Mm -hmm. yep you're like this can't also be a heart of card that doesn't make any sense it's 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 just Chandra. So, but didn't you say you did play this a little bit in a deck? 
So I, I did. I, I played it in the red-green deck, but I was building an Ugin deck, right? So I've been trying to find ways to take advantage of being able to cast three spells or, or two out of three spells if I if I rip some good flips. So I've been trying to... Rip some flips. <laughs> I've been trying to, to think in my head. I haven't put it on paper. I haven't put it in Arena yet. But I've been trying to come up with ways of... Um, what are the right cards to flip to where I have six mana for that turn, right? Because if I'm playing it with five mana, assuming I hit a land, what what can I maximize out of six mana is what I've been trying to figure out. I just haven't gotten the time to do it yet. Well, I mean, what do you got, like a, a baby and a <clears throat> softball league and COVID? Yeah, well, mostly mostly just COVID and, uh, oh yeah, and the newborn that's uh, less than two weeks old, so. That's it? Yeah, just, you know, a little baby. She's She's not self-sufficient yet. You're clearly not prioritizing correctly. Yeah, obviously. she's not. Yeah, well, I'm actually a little upset. She's about to get the boot because she's not self-sufficient at, at just under two weeks. She doesn't even have a job yet. I bet. Have a job? She barely even. She barely even wakes up. She's sleeping half the time. God, it sounds like Michael B. And she drinks all the milk. This is unbelievable. <laughs> Does she just leave it empty? She doesn't even fill it when she's done. First off, she puts her mouth on the container. Oh my god! Doesn't have her name on it. Leaves it empty. Rob, I don't know what you're doing, man. You need to. You need to. The situation's gotta. Gotta. They gotta fix itself. <laughs> yeah. My card, <clears throat> which might might surprise you, but I was having a hard time finding a card that didn't just fall into like pet card. You know. Sure. Um, my card was Garrick's Harbinger. Hmm. Four three for three mana. Hexproof from black. Combat. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, look at that many cards. So typically four because it's a four three. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to like negative two, negative zero this. Uh, and then you can reveal either a creature or a Garrick Planeswalker and put it into your hand. And I think this is actually like, see, whenever I look at a card and I'm like, this is probably good enough for cube, right? Like I could probably put this in my cube because think- the, the cost is good. The stats are good. The hex proof is good. And uh, the ability is good because you're always going to have green creatures or Garricks. So... Yeah, I think I think this card is actually perfect for cube because it allows you in in the format where you're basically just doing playing nothing but one ofs. It allows you to search, and that's kind of what a lot of cube is. Right, you get that green card advantage, card selection even. That's uh, that's kind of rare. So it's just and it's like it's not like you're playing something bad to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like Jade Light Ranger in a sense that. But even with Jade Light Ranger, if you had a four three for three with Jade Light Ranger, you didn't draw any cards. Right. Whereas this guy's a four three for three always, and you will likely get to draw some some number of cards if it connects. Yeah, and and let's just be honest, this card on turn two is just pretty wicked, right? Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's very unlikely they'll be able to block it and um you know, effectively anyway. Otherwise they're just chumping and, and, and it's an abyss. But also Hexproof from Black is really good. Like you can't fatal push it, you can't murderous rider this. Um, you know, you can't grasp in darkness, you can't X Heartless Act. What was the one that deals like a that kills a three three mana creature? The smother eliminate eliminate yeah. I can't eliminate it. <clears throat> like this guy just hangs out. The only thing they can do really is like lightning strike it or any of the red removal. But like, it's still very good, and it's nice because it's not protection from black, so it can still be blocked. You can still block it with a murderous rider. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's very it seems very good. I think it's just a solid creature. That, yeah. Uh, but it's like a fair creature, you know. It's not like questing beast. It's the Basri Ket of green creatures. It is, except I think it's a little better than Basri. It's, it's I think it's a little better than Basri Ket actually in the deck, in a deck that it's going in maybe. maybe. I mean, four powers. That's the real deal, right? Yeah, for essentially on turn two, because you're never mm-hmm. getting Basri Ket down on turn two in a in a white deck. 
Yeah, no, no, you're definitely not. What I was going to say is I've actually played with this card. Uh, I play with it a little bit. I, I tried it in the uh, the blue-green Mutate deck and as a way, because there were a lot of times in this when I was playing Mutate uh, that I would run out of Mutate cards, and this card just lets me find the Starix. It lets me find the 4-4 uh, four four that destroys an enchantment. Like it, it, it allows me to attack and then Mutate yeah. again. Yeah, it's like a, it's a green impulse every turn, right? Like, <clears throat> and the other thing, it's it says nice because it's you may reveal a creature card. It doesn't have to be a green creature card, which a lot of times green cards do specify, right? You have to get a green creature card. These are just like find any creature. So if you're playing a five color deck, you can just find anything. Yeah, yeah, the card was pretty good. Uh, in the mutate decks, a lot of times when you, the non mutate cards you put in your deck, you want them to have some sort of protection, which it does. You want it to to um, uh, have decent stats, right? Or let's say I mutated the auspicious Starix onto it, and I just made it right. a six-six. Now I get to look at six cards instead of four. Yeah, and the other thing is <clears throat> another nice feature of this card is that it's whenever it deals combat damage to a planeswalker as well. Mm-hmm. So usually you're stuck with like, well, I can either attack your face and get the trigger, or I can get your planeswalker out of the way. This is nice because you don't really have to decide. You just kill whatever you'd like, and you still get that trigger as long as it's connecting. Yep. Yep, I'm with you there. I think this card is pretty sweet. I might try to play with it a little bit more, see if I can find a different home. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's a good uh, three-drop in a uh, Radha Heart of the Keld deck when I don't draw my Rattos. I mean, I think it's a good three-drop regardless. You know? Like, this is just a solid card. Plus, it's not legendary. Like, it's interesting because it doesn't have any of the typical, like, restrictions that a green card would have. Legendary. uh, You have to hit a player. You can only reel a green card. Plus, you can hit any Garrick Planeswalker. So you can play Garrick Cursed Huntsman, the the blue, the black green one. You can get that guy into your hand. Like I don't know, this card's really good. I, I think it's it's really solid. I just wish Standard was a little more, um, less haymakery. Haymakery. Because I like that. <laughs> one thing I dislike. One thing I do dislike about Modern Magic, and I don't know if this is just me or not, but like. I actually don't like that every creature either has to have an enters the battlefield ability or it's not good. Like, it just invalidates so many cards and so much design space. We're like, well, it doesn't have haste and it doesn't do anything when it comes into play, so it's not very good. And it's like, well, okay, but does it? can we just design a game that all the creatures are cool, not just the ones that have enters the battlefield abilities? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is, it is sad times when it comes to stuff like that, like you said. Like, I mean, the... The litmus test for that, I think, is um, something like Anafenza, or I was going to say Siege Rhino, but, you know, you're trying to eliminate ETB effects, but really that's not right. backbreaking, you know? Well, also, they never want to, you never want to bounce a Siege Rhino. Like, if you have Tefri and you bounce my Siege Rhino, like, that's probably fine. I'm just yeah. going to play it again, you're going to take three more. Like, okay. You know, but, like, also bounce my Questing Beast, but, you know, it has haste, so it doesn't really matter. Like, you want to get that value before the creature gets removed, but... I get it. You know, I understand why you want enters the battlefield slash haste abilities on creatures, but it's just really kind of discouraging that it's a game that's like, if those are so important, like why are we not just putting putting that ability on every creature, you know? Like why aren't we just making everything have that so that we just have more things that are relevant all the time? Yep. Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's, uh, it's the life of a magic player right now. <laughs> it really is. Like, I mean... You're either playing a Planeswalker or a creature that, that gives you uh, a lot of value when it enters the battlefield. And, like, you know, it's not... I'm not faulting anyone for playing those things. Those are, That's what you've got to do. That makes sense, but... Yeah. You know. <clears throat> yeah, as somebody as somebody who who plays more brews than, than mainstream decks, I never 
you will never see me get upset or fault someone for for net decking or for playing the best deck or playing the second best deck. I mean, that's just how Magic is played. I mean, that that's not even the game of Magic, right? That's any game. That's that's life in general. You know, if you want to get ahead and you want to play at the highest level, that's just what you have to do. You know, so there's nothing wrong with it. No, and so one thing I liked was the Tectonic Giant. You're familiar with Tectonic Giant? Three, four. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. One thing I like about that guy is he doesn't have an interest of battlefield ability. He has an ability both when he attacks and whenever he's targeted, right? So, like, that's nice, too, because, like, you're not getting that enters the battlefield ability. But if your opponent tries to remove him, which is the biggest reason for having an enters the battlefield ability. So, like, if you try to kill my guy, I get value out of it. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing. If you try to kill this guy, you get value out of it. And, And I think that's a great way to do it. Um, whereas like, I think they should do more of that tectonic giant ability where like, okay, you played this guy, but I don't have to deal with it immediately because it, you know, nothing happened when it came into play. You're not getting a, an inherent advantage. You're getting a, a kind of a delayed advantage or like have something like when this dies, just, you know, draw a card or whatever. Yeah. Basically what you're saying is you don't get the instant gratitude. You have time to play the game. Uh, and and it, it, it makes more involved decisions within the game instead of, oh, you played this card. Well, it did its thing. It did. Yeah. It did three other things. And you know that those <laughs> things happened. And now I have to deal with the aftermath of that. Instead, yeah. it's like, well, I have this creature, so you can either choose to deal with it and suffer the consequence or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's still, you kind of have a choice there. Whereas like if I play Euro, I get the abilities and even if you deal with your like i still got the abilities out of it right like so i don't know it's it's i guess that's kind of the same but like it's just different ways to do it so you don't always have to be like when it's under the battlefield under the battlefield under the battlefield and like it's okay cool get it and like we all know we all know that like the best creatures that are always going to be played are creatures that trigger something when they enter the battlefield that give you some sort of value yeah so i think if we can expand on that and kind of have it more of like a more ver- a more varied kind of ability that still does kind of a similar thing that just seems better you know yeah you want what you want is you want the siege rhino ability that yeah it, it has an etb but it's not backbreaking right you didn't draw an extra card you didn't play an extra land you know what i mean yeah plus like on like on tectonic giant like it allows you to have like this recurring ability of like wherever and also like if they wipe the board with like a shatter the sky you're not going to draw a card. You're not going to get the ability, right? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it still allows the opponent to play a one-for-one game in certain situations. So it's kind of like a middle ground between a creature that always gives you an ability every single time and a creature that will most of the time give you an ability from this. Right. And I think Tectonic Giant is a really, really great design and I wish they'd use that kind of templating more frequently. Do you think if you sat down and you devoted... Um, let's say, Frank, I'm going to pay you $5,000 this coming week. All you have to do is from Monday to Friday, I want you to design 30 cards, 15 of them mythic or rare, the other 15 uncommon. Do you think you could come up with that many cards, uh, or are we at a design space where we're just so crowded that we have to do these things no i think so i think 30 would be fine i think that's a reasonable amount i can't guarantee they'd be great or balanced right like i could definitely come up with 30 designs i think within five days if that's just what i sat down and did and you're paying me to do that um 
you know, and like the sky's the limit. So I can make new mechanics. I can I can make yeah. cards that are good and standard, right? Um, I think the design space is there. I just think that like, like you're seeing it. Like you're seeing cards like Garrick's Harbinger. Like there's a bunch of cool cards in M21. The problem is that the cards that are better than them are just so far better that it's just you don't get to see these cards, right? It's kind of like they're kind of just in the shadows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. As always, it's sad. Like, I see a set, I see a bunch of cool cards that I'd love to play with, and then I see a bunch of cards that are keeping those cards back. Yep. So. Yeah. We all we all do. We're with you, man. We're with you. Like, it was funny. I actually wrote an article last week for Cool Stuff about, like, how many, like, uh, about the cards that I wasn't expecting to see play, right? And it was, it was shocking how few cards from M21 were actually seeing play because they're all just the broken cards, like Teferi, Euro, Nissa... You know, like mystical, mystical dispute, uh, Aether Gust. Like all the decks are just playing the same cards. Like they're all just playing these same cards. Yeah, Paul, Paulo Vitor made a tweet today that said he's tired of standard because he feels like he's been playing the same format for the past couple of years. He can't remember the last time he played a different format, and that was that that literally hit the nail on the head. Yeah, that it was cra- it was crazy. Familiar. It was crazy. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, I agree with him with that. Yeah, that's a yeah. So do I. That makes a lot of sense. Like I, I can't remember the last time I wasn't playing against Teferi's and Nissa's. Like it feels like, a it feels like years. <laughs> Wilderness reclamation. Right. It's still a deck. Yeah. Like remember Nexus of Fate. <laughs> remember like there was a Nexus is a Fate deck. Nexus of Fate gets banned. Now there's an Explosion expansion deck and like. Mm-hmm. Why are we still playing with Wilderness reclamation? That card's <laughs> like two years old. Well, they just announced it in the bands, didn't they? No. What. I was, I'm saying no, they didn't. They didn't touch standard. <laughs> Speaking of the bands, we'll definitely cover those in the next podcast because yeah. that is a, a whole a whole can of worms that we'll talk about. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, think we can... I was going to say, I want to. I know you want to wrap up because we're at 50 minutes. I want to just add one cool card. I think I'll send it to you later too for you to check it out. But here's a cool card that popped up in an actual deck list that top 16, a uh, decently large event that you would never guess. Okay. Uh-huh. It, w- it was Peer into the Abyss. First off, do you remember what that is? Yes, I do, boy. Okay. So that's the uh, four triple black. Um, and I believe, what is it? How many cards do you draw here? Target player draws equal. Half. Yep, to half the number of cards in their library, and they lose half their life, and you round up. Now, obviously, seven mana is a whole lot, but the person that played the card was abusing it with Titan's Nest, and that's so sick the hell is titan's oh i think i know what titan's nest is it lets you exile cards from your graveyard to add one colorless mana to cast colored spells that don't have x i started playing the deck it was so much fun how do the cards get in your graveyard oh i mean you have plenty right you're gross spiraling to ramp into your into your uh titan's nest you're playing tamio um you're trump blocking with arboreal grazers just to get in the graveyard and protect and install a little bit titan's nest puts card in your graveyard by itself every turn i mean i'll be honest i did not expect to see a titan's nest peer into the abyss deck it was super sweet it was definitely spicy that is right up my uh right up my alley there yep yeah it is yeah so uh as usual thank you guys for listening if you want to support the channel you can try to do so through anchor uh where you can find this podcast or uh you can find us wherever podcasts are actually so spotify apple google wherever you guys find podcasts and uh thank you guys for listening let us know what you think and uh we'll see you guys next time thanks so much thanks guys